the Gung Fu Crew Podcast, bringing together practitioners of various styles and schools and their unique perspectives to explore the world of Chinese martial arts. Welcome to the next episode of the Gung Fu Crew Podcast. This time around, we will be talking about Tongbei Chuan, a northern uh, style of Chinese martial arts with a quite long, illustrious history. Uh, probably influenced a lot of other styles and is still one of the major schools of northern Chinese martial arts. My guest is Rosa May, who is now living in Czech Republic in Prague, who has been practicing Tongbei Chuan, among other things. She actually has a very long and, and uh, very diverse um, history of martial arts herself. And she will be sharing a lot of uh, her insights and her ideas about functional martial arts training, specifically about Tongbei. Um, she will be telling us how she learned it and how she is teaching it currently. And I hope you have a great time. I hope uh, you can gain some insights from uh, her wisdom and her experiences. And uh, yeah, let's jump into the interview. Today I'm talking to Rosa May from uh, uh, Prague or Praha, is it in Czech, I think, right? Yes, Praha. Yeah. Um, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Um, maybe to start, maybe you, you want to give a quick introduction of yourself so that people know who I'm actually talking to, like what you what you do and, and where you came from and, and uh, how you got to be where you are right now. Okay, so uh, my name is Rosa May, and I've been doing martial arts for over 30 years now. Oh, that's a long time. It's like, for my students, it's longer than they've been alive. Yes, I've been doing it a long time. Uh, now I uh, focus primarily on Tongbei Kung Fu, which uh, is um, a style of northern uh, Kung Fu that translates as through the back. Um, and it's uh, the mother style of, of mantis. It has many influences uh, from uh, Shaolin Kung Fu, Swai Zhao, Tai Chi, Qigong, um, and it, it, what people recognize as Tongbei are the long swinging arms. So uh, the movements were originally based on uh, like the moves of a white gibbon. So um, if you were to uh, find a corollary in the movement world, you might think of like one wall handball where the guys are really thwacking a ball with with long swinging arms, uh, then you sort of get an idea of where we're coming at uh, in training. Um, but apart from the Tongbei, uh, I was also um, first trained in uh, Kali Salat. That was my first uh, style of uh, martial arts. I mean, I did some karate as a kid. Uh, then later on, uh, I trained in Aikido. Uh, that was because when I was in dance school, because um, I'm a professional dancer as well as a martial artist. Um, I was trying to find a supplement to my ballet and modern training. And so I started Aikido and I did that for 13 years. And then uh, when I moved to New York in the 90s, I uh, started training with Lama uh, Kung Fu, which is Tibetan style of martial arts. Uh, it's very similar uh, to Choi Le Phut. Um, and uh, that was with Chan Tai San. Uh, and I did that for three years. And then I also, uh, after that, I, I, I decided I should really focus on northern uh, styles because it was more suited to my body. Um, and so I started training in traditional uh, mantas, pigua and bachi with uh, su yu chang. Uh, so seven star mantas and also babu tang lang, which is 
eight-step mantis. Um, and at the same time, I was also doing modern wushu, which I've done a lot. And I was, a, I was also a, formerly a member of the U.S. wushu team. Um, so I did a lot of tumbling and, um, I guess, flashy moves, acrobatic stuff, because, you know, when you're young, you want to jump around and, and kick and do flashy things. Um, but now I'm really, really focused on functional martial arts training. I think that's my mantra, form equals function. Um, and so that's uh, where I am now. And so what I want to do in, 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 in my martial arts uh, teachings is actually uh, you know, focus on universal training systems uh, for people where they understand how to get a feedback loop from their training. Uh, so uh, they, they are focused not just on uh, how a, a move should look, but what is the move used for? And how do you use both your internal and external energy to, you know, reach that goal of uh, how to train your momentum, your targets, uh, hmm. use your hips and torque and things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there that I think we'll, we'll go back to. But first, let's do some housekeeping. And I start with a question that sometimes throws people because most of the time we don't think about it. How, how would you define martial art? Like what, what we, you're, because you mentioned you're also, also a dancer and you did modern wushu, which is more based on performance. But how would you define a martial art? What does a training system need in order for you to be called a martial art? Well, I mean, I think martial arts are uh, Kung Fu. It was, uh, I mean, originally it's a fighting system, you know, um, and uh, there are many styles of fighting systems. Um, and in martial arts, you know, um, I mean, I, I do lots and lots of uh, weapons work because I'm, I love all sword work and sticks, um, single, uh, single uh, swords, double swords, uh, whip chains, rope darts, you know, um, It, and it, it's it's a big umbrella term, you know, uh, martial arts, because some people uh, think that uh, martial arts is internal or external. And for me, um, there there is not a separation between internal and external. And that's one of the things that I really love about Tombe style is that in the training, um, it integrates both of it. And, you know, um, in the past, I did do a lot of training in Qigong and, and Tai Chi as well. Um, specifically in, in Taiwan, I did a lot of uh, Tai Chi training um, in, in conjunction with my mantis. And You know, the thing is, is that uh, for me uh, now they are inextricably linked um, and the way that we focus on the internal training in uh, the Tongbei is use of vocalization. We call it Heng Ha Jing. So, hmm, you know, you, you feel you feel the recoil, you feel the response, you know, and that was something that earlier in my martial arts journey, like when I was focused more on the uh, northern styles after I had done, you know, three years of Lama, which is very similar to Choi Le Phut, uh, you know, we never made any noise in training, you know? I, I was like, well, and when you go to competitions, the southern styles scream, the northern styles are silent, you know? And I just was never comfortable. It's like, yeah, yeah or they call it like the key eye, you know? And mm. I thought it was something very superficial. Uh, but with the tombe, it's, it, it's, it's very much part of the system. So, you know, um, so back to your, your, um, your question about how do I define martial arts? Martial arts, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it is a, a fighting system, but it's also, uh, 
it's also about wuda. It's about how you conduct yourself in life. It's not just you know a training philosophy or physical training system. Because I feel like the martial artists that I truly admire in life, um, I admire as people. You know, they mm. they they are great masters and they're role models on how do you lead you know a meaningful life. How do you create disciples who you know go forth and transmit a, a system? It's not just oh I'm I'm a great brawler. Oh I can I can I can knock everyone down with you know my 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 one inch punch you know or something like this. Mm. This this is not what we're aiming for. It's like you aim also to like integrate, you know, this fighting system, but it's also the, the Wuda. It's a way of life, you know. Um, it's how to live uh, in an honorable way, how to respect those around you, how you conduct yourself in your life with humility uh, mm. and, and generosity, you know, and, mm. and, 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 and how to live, you know, meaningful and also a modest life. Yeah. I mean, you also mentioned already like the term Kung Fu. Uh, do, do you have a specific term that you refer to, like when, when you talk about Chinese martial arts, Kung Fu, Kung Fu, Wushu, or in Taiwan, it's Guoshu or something? Or do you even care about these these different terms um, that people um, use to describe? I am I I'm sort of anti terminology because uh, you know I speak Chinese so a lot of the times when they say oh no no it should be written Kung Fu as opposed to Kung Fu uh, you know. Uh, Well, I mean, we could be speaking Chinese and then it would be written differently. You know, do you write hmm. Tongbei as one word or do you write it as two words? I mean, you could spend your whole life just just nitpicking about labels when I'd just rather be training. Honestly, hmm. to me, you could call all of it carrot cake. Call it carrot cake. You can call it whatever you want. You know, you can call me Kaka. You can call me Rosa May. You can call me whatever. What I do is my martial arts and, uh, you know, what makes sense to me, uh, you know, on, on, on any given day when we're training, you know, sometimes uh, I will be teaching the Tongbei, but then other times I'll be teaching them, you know, a move from Swai Zhao or, you know, a joint lock that I learned in Aikido or, uh, or like Chiso from Mantis and maybe I mm. Tongbeiify it, you know, so, um, All of this might offend uh, the so-called gatekeepers, but I feel like there's a little bit too much gatekeeping in the martial arts community right now. You know, people want to establish a hierarchy, which I feel uh, is, is counterproductive, you know, in the long term in martial arts, because all the great martial artists, the people who became legends, even in Tongbei, like uh, Zhang Zi, Zhang Zi, you know, they were all hybrid. They had all studied like, you know, 10 different styles of martial arts. They didn't just have one teacher. They had many teachers. So, you know, this sort of blind faith to one system, one style, one teacher, you know, is something that, that you know, it's not necessarily uh, conducive to, to the evolution of martial arts as a whole. Hmm. So let's let's uh, then let's dive into the carrot cake and uh, uh, talk a bit more about uh, <laughs> martial cake. arts training. Rosa calls martial arts carrot cake. Okay, whatever. Yeah, that's that's gonna be the headline for the for the episode. Um, it's not gonna be Tongbei with Rosa May. It's gonna be carrot cake with Rosa May. Fine. Um, uh, What what I find really interesting because you you, you mentioned that you, you trained a lot of stuff over the years and uh, now now you focus a lot on on Tongbei. How did you get to learn Tongbei? Like, what was was it the the training method or the style that interested you, or was it that the person that you learned from inspired you and thought, oh, this is the guy or the the the, the gal I want to learn from? Like, what what was it that that drew you to Tongbei Chuan specifically? 
Well, one of my uh, uh, my one of my most important influences in martial arts was my ex husband Michael Martello, um, who died. Um, I mean, he 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 died uh, a while back, like in two thousand nine, um, and he was very famous in the Mantis community. He was a disciple of Teddy Wong in in Wing Chun, and also of uh, Su Chang in. Um, New York for Mantis Kung Fu, and then also he was disciple of Wang Jie in Taiwan. Um, and he brought a teacher from Tongbei, uh, from Beijing. He brought three teachers from Beijing to, to organize a training camp, um, both in Europe and then also in Beijing. Uh, and one of them was a Tongbei teacher, you know. And Mike knew I had already done so much, you know, other martial arts style. And, 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 and you know, I would say, like, uh, you know, in around the years that he was starting to work with uh, Zhang Xingbing, who was who is my Tongbei teacher now. Um, mm -hmm. It was a, he started working with uh, Zhang Lao. So about 2006 is when he brought him first to Europe, you know. And then uh, Mike died in 2009, and I started working with Zhang Lao. So about 2008, you know. Um, and uh, Mike, Mike, he showed me some of the exercises from Tongbei, which he did Danso, which is a brushing hand, which really looks like this strange folk dance thing. And, and, and the applications are not obvious, you know, and, mm. and, and I cycle, that's strange. What are you supposed to do with this move? You know? And then he's like, it's real good. Yeah. You got to train this. And so then, um, he, he, he said, um, you know, you, you should train with Zhang Lao you know, you, you, the Tongbei, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to complete your martial arts. This is going to help you, you know? And that was, you know, he died in 2009, and I started working with Zhang Lao in 2008. And it's like when Mike died, um, then I was trying to, to, you know, take over his school in Belgium and also unite the, the Taiwanese Federation with the Chinese Federation. It was a really, really big mess. And it was also the beginning, really, of my committed journey in, 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 in Tongbei, because, you know, my feeling at that point, like around 2000. Eight was like, why do I want to do this? Why do I? I've already done tw over twenty years of martial arts. Why do I need to do another style? You know. Mm. Um, and when I went to Beijing and I started training with Laos, I was like, this is so strange. What do two thousand arm swings a day? Okay, and I did that. I did that for years. It took me three hours every day just to do arm swings because you know, for two thousand, I was counting. I was counting mm. every single day because they say you have to do X. I did X. You know what I mean? And mm. um, I didn't really get it. I don't force my students to do I don't think it's the most conducive way, but, you know, it's traditional training in China. Do that. Mm. So I did that. Um, and when I started training with him, I didn't, I was, I honestly wasn't very committed to the Tongbei. I didn't understand it. And then later on, it just became much, much more logical because when I started working with Zhang Laosi more, um, and then I started working with some of his disciples, Huang Fei, and also, um, Kim Hawkland, who, uh, became, uh, my husband later on, um, now my ex, whatever. Anyway, uh, we... We really tried to train this system of fighting that was that was so interesting to me because the concepts were so different from everything mm -hmm. I had learned in the past. First, you use all this torque. What is what is this torque? What is this kaiha kaiha, which means open close? What are you opening closing? Your lungs? No, 
the ribs. Uh, you use your internal rotation in, in the stance. So when you're swinging your arms, it's not like you're warming up like a freestyle swimmer. You're actually training your hip rotation, your internal rotation, your torque and your twist with every arm swing, you know? And so this was so odd, you know, because of course the, the multiple attack stuff and the strategy I understood from Mantis, you know, internal stuff, how to throw, I understood from doing for, you know, 13 years of Aikido and then, and then also some Swaijiao training, you know, and also push hands in, in, in the parks in Taiwan, you know, mm. but all the, 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 the full, the, the interesting things about the movements and what, what Tsang also would teach me, he'd be like, ah, oh, ah, oh, which means, oh, you have a lot of power in that movement. And when he first saw me, I was like, see, he thinks I'm really powerful. I didn't realize he was insulting me. <laughs> he was insulting me. He was insulting me when he first saw me. It was, a, it was like a backhanded compliment on the one hand mm -hmm. that, you know, your intent is so good. You know, you have so much power. I thought I was really powerful. And yet I had nothing, you know, mm -hmm. really. And then when he showed me how you actually use release, how to cultivate heavy hands, how to use the arm swings and the whole body, not just the arms, and to really, really re re release uh, in your movements. You know, that that was a game changer for me because mm. I was able to apply the Tongbei principles to everything that I had learned. Also, like, um, th there are two movements in one, you know, there's because you always have a, a, a back forth, you have a recoil, so it's not just one, two, but it's... <laughs> You know, it's one, two, and one. Hmm. You know, so hmm. it's, it's very, very different from everything I had trained before. Uh, and I was able to apply the Tongbei principles to things that I had practiced in the past, and it was better. And the other thing that Tongbei gave me was it gave me uh, really an entry into freestyle, you know, um, because when you've done so many forms, and at that point in my martial arts training, I'd learned over 200 forms, you know, hmm. in terms of weapons, empty hand. I counted them. <laughs> it's like after, you know, you do decades of martial arts, you count how many forms you've learned. And it was sick, you know? How many forms? How many did I actually apply, though? In mm. all my modern wushu training, which I did for, what, 15 years, did we ever learn sword on a target? I mean, we're not talking about when you learn choreography, like a two-man set with, a, with your training partner. But yeah. did we ever train on a target? No, not in 15 years. Never, never, mm. you know? And so this was a huge, huge game changer in my martial arts journey. And, um, and then, so what he started with that, I, I later developed into my training principles with my students um, for like target practice training. And I started bringing in concepts that I learned in Kali, like target, target practicing systems. And I mapped everything out onto like trees and punching bags and then reorganizing it on partner work. Because I felt like in my Chinese martial arts training, honestly, there was a huge, huge gap between how much you actually touching someone in training, you know, because this was something that mm. Mike and I talked a lot about when he was alive, because he was a lifetime martial artist as well. And he's like, well, how much partner work we got to do? You know, like, how do I train these students? They can't do nothing. You know, I was like, and then he would start teaching them uh, Tan Tui. Tantoi, just to give a base, baseline level of, of the stances, of uh, giving them ba basic athleticism, you know? Mm, uh, yeah. But then how do you translate that into something that's functional, 
You know, when do you introduce like the, the strikes and when do you introduce partner practice? And many people, I would say in Chinese systems, say, oh, no, 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 they're, they're not ready for that. First, you, 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 you build the structure for years and years of basics training, kicking, stance training, breathing training. And then later on, maybe after three or four years, you start the partner training. You know, and I feel like this is this is a real problem in 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 the Chinese systems because you 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 become better at what you train. Mm. So if you train one hundred percent of your times in forms, you're going to be better at forms. You train one hundred percent of your time doing doing ground throws or kicking. That's what you're going to be good at doing. You know, mm. and so I think that's what as a martial arts community. You know, we have to be thinking about, you know, not not criticizing each other or or labeling, you know, I mean, I think in the martial arts community, what's really interesting is like um, now I have, uh, you know, through social media, I've met so many people uh, in martial arts and they're not just doing Kung Fu. They're not just doing Chinese martial arts, you know, lifetime martial artists from other systems, karate guys, um, Kali guys, ba- uh, Bali Tawak, you know, guys uh, and also longsword guys I, I, I talk mm. to, you know, um, who are even doing like European fencing. And we're we're interested in similar things, you know? Yeah. What what joins us is, is is much stronger than what divides us, you know, and the people who are genuinely out there putting in the work every day. I feel like we have a lot of common ground. A lot. So if I understand this correctly, though, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning, uh, like you were, you were doing the Tongbei stuff and you didn't really understand what it what it was, which I can totally relate to because in, in our Chen style Gung Fujia, it's the same for a lot of beginners. And when you look at something like Xin Yi Liu Chuan, also it looks like really weird from the outside and you think, what, what is that for? But then you discovered, oh, there's a really like kind of, let, let's say, high level body mechanics behind it and a way of using the body. But mm-hmm. if I also understand you correctly, um, this this heavier emphasis on emphasis on on partner work was actually something that you felt uh, was kind of this is what uh, how how you teach now. It's not how it was approached um, in in Beijing, right? In Beijing, you you were more the you you were following the traditional route of saying, oh, you practice this, you practice the body mechanics, but then like you can apply it on your own time, sort of. Or was there a lot of partner practice um, when you learned in Beijing from from Zhang Laoshi and the other guys there? Tang mm, Lao would demonstrate techniques on on me, which was amazing. Like when you feel the power of the master, oh my god! You know, it was just like he would throw me around like nothing. It, I just couldn't stop laughing because he was so powerful. But a lot of people mm. say that. You know, I think that's what strikes people and what attracts them to certain masters is you sense. You know how like like when I worked with my Tai Chi teacher in in um, in, in in Taiwan, Wang Jie. You know when he would do his uh, twenty so on me and then also the the chin now which is like joint locking it was like disappearing into a black hole you know it was just like you have to sense that through feeling and touch and there's a lot of transmission of of martial arts that is done through touch and so when you see you know youtube videos or whatever it, it is limited because the transmission is not just a form or whatever mm. um that said you know what What amazed me in Beijing was like the teachers themselves, like Zhang Laoshi and his teacher Zhang Fushan, which uh, he's he's like the godfather of of Tongbei in in, in Beijing now. Uh, he's you know he he was uh, Dong Shusen's uh, disciple. So he, our our godfather of Tongbei is already uh, third generation uh, Wu Xing Tongbei, um, mm. and 
Zhang Lao has also developed because he's, he came from uh, Baiyuan Tongbei, which is uh, White Ape Tongbei, uh, New Jie uh, Baiyuan Tongbei Chuan, which is um, Ox Street uh, White ape style Tongbei because it used to be when he was a teenager uh, that was where all the famous martial artists uh, hung out in Beijing uh, at this place okay. called Yujie and so it formed a community you know and so what I'm saying is like it you feel that and they were all amazing fighters you know so what is it that is missing from the training because then when he was trained people you know um they didn't have the contact, and yet he and his training brothers, you know, the other great disciples of, of Zhang Fushan, uh, you know, they were all great fighters and could demonstrate this stuff, you know? So what, what, where was the break in training, you know? And um, a lot of it was just like they had gotten it from other systems, like they had been doing Swai Chao. You know, they had been doing full contact sparring. A lot of the guys were street fighters, you know, mm. and so they had been getting their information from different sources and then applying the concepts that they had learned from 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 Tongbei. He was like, you know, like this elbow concept. Uh, I'm not supposed to say, but okay, don't 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 show this to outsiders because an MMA fighter can get this and then they're going to apply it, you know, and it's an illegal yeah. move. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. But no, no great martial artist ever came from just doing one repetitive, you know, one move like repetitive arm swings over and over. So, what when I teach, I really try to build a system that puts the partnering work and the target work in the training, you know, so that from day one, students know what they're doing, you know, and I actually teach forms like uh, weapons forms, even I'll teach whole weapon forms, like with Miao Dao or with the sword, broadsword or whatever. I'll actually teach it on a tree, you know, I'll do mm. all the cuts on a tree because, you know, I would say this is the big problem, um, especially like in weapons work, it becomes very, very abstract and ornamental um, because, you know, especially in modern wushu, when I was doing, uh, like, uh, say, a flowery move, which is called a flower, you know, wuhua, right? Mm. Uh, a floretti, basically, um, which people call fancy, senseless spinning, you know? What is that? It's actually a parry attack, you know? It's built into it, but it's come so far from the original application that people don't know if they're they're parrying or if they're attacking because if they actually did it would show in their body mechanics they would move their the rest of their body like to get out of the way they just wouldn't stand there with their arm out senselessly spinning a pretty circle you know this becomes this becomes very superficial you know and nobody wants mm. to be called you know superficial uh, but it has become that way and i don't think that it has to be that way because yeah. I, I was able to to teach like um, San Sai Jian, San, San Sai Jian Three Treasures Sword, which is really like one of these quintessential traditional sword forms. A lot of us learn it in Mantis. Uh, I was able to teach it to one of uh, my students in China, uh, not China, in, in uh, Belgium. He was a member of the Belgian Wushu team. Um, he did like sports karate, modern Wushu. And then in one hour, I, I said, okay, look, these are your hitting targets. I'm going to teach it this whole form to you in one hour and I'm going to show you all the targets on a tree and then we're going to do the form. And he did it, you know? And so you have a guy who's, who's really like, hi, Randy, if you're listening to this podcast. So, uh, he was, uh, he, he, who really could do any stance, you know? Um, but to say, Oh, the modern people, they just don't get it. 
when I explained it to him, yeah, it, it, he had to think about it a little bit, but then he totally got it. And then my feeling was like, well, why can't we do this in modern Wushu? Why mm -hmm. don't they each sword on a target? Why don't they? Because you know what? It would take, if you're, you're, every modern Wushu person is already training two hours a day, minimum, minimum, if you're going to competition. Why wouldn't they train 15 minutes on a target? You know, that would completely change the game of modern mm. Wushu. You wouldn't get all these haters saying, oh, it's just fake shit. Sorry. Um, you know, uh, you could easily implement target striking systems into all Chinese martial arts, uh, implement partner, uh, partner usage. Show me all the techniques that you're doing in Mantis uh by Hu Xilian, you know, white, white tiger washes its face. Show it to me on a partner. Show hmm. me how you're going to do that on a tree or on a target or on a punching bag. And then show on a partner and then show, show me your students doing that, you hmm. know? Yeah. And, yeah, that's and, usually and, the and interesting... Yeah, that's an interesting point when you because when the, the, when you mentioned that uh, Zhang Laoshu was super powerful, this is something that a lot of other people also mention. You know, like the teacher was super powerful and smooth and could explain a lot. But the the question then is, can the students do the same? Because that's where you actually see whether the the, the training method makes sense. But what what I'm really interested in is if if somebody came to Prague and and wanted to learn from you, like wanted to learn Tongbei from you, how would you start? Would you also start with the arm swings, and then how how would you move on from there? Like. What would be a typical progression? What would what, what okay, would it so be like? On day one, uh, we start. Uh, I, I I do teach you know the the, the Tongbei basics, but I don't have them do like hundreds of arm swings on day one, forward and backwards. Rojian yeah. Sunbei, uh, which is like uh, the backwards one, actually translate as massaging the shoulders. Sunbei, uh, the forward arm swing, translates as uh, through the back. Okay, so uh, these are two basics, or twenso, which is circular hand, which is uh, like an, an equivalent of a long swinging hook punch, but not a haymaker. You know, it's not these wild swinging things. It's very, very technical. You know, mm. doing all this, I feel, is counterproductive. Why? Because it's tedious. It's tedious, mm. and to someone who comes in and is not committed to martial arts training and just wants to take a look, it's boring. It's boring. It's not boring to me because I've committed myself to martial arts and I love it. You could tell me to do this. And if this is, you can tell me to like, okay, you have to crack your knuckles for two hours a day, every day. And this will get you to a true enlightenment. I would probably do that. You know, if someone, I was really naive and stupid. So, um, you know, I would do that, but I think it's not a productive way to train. So honestly, when new people come in, I give them a stick. I say day one, bring a stick that's about shoulder height. If you don't have a training staff, which, you know, usually we have like the guns or the staffs that people get in martial arts stores and it's, um, it's, it's got a little bit of weight to it and has a, a thicker, thicker end and a thinner end. You know, if you don't have that, you can bring a Joe like from Aikido or you can bring a broomstick. Broomsticks mm. work too. You know, people, uh, are always like, Oh, one, Oh, you can't start with weapons until after at least one year of training. Maybe after three years of training, you can start with we weapons. No, I start with weapons on day one. 
Um, and the thing is, is that what I show is that the weapon, um, I teach uh, striking drills, like a day one striking drill that shows them the X, which is a target, uh, high, middle, low, which is, which is you know, the upper, the, the, the head, the center, uh, groin, and then also leg shots. Um, so they have an idea of what they're aiming for and then how to swing from the hips. And so they'll all learn. I have a day one staff form that I made up. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's based on the movements of the short staff in Tongbei. But what's really interesting, and I teach Bang, which is the short staff differently than my uh, Tongbei teacher, and also um, different than my uh, Tongbei brothers, because um, what I did was I took the Tongbei basics, like the arm swings, and I, I remapped them out so that they match exactly the short staff movement. So that they see that a palm strike in Tongbei uh, with its torque, with its stance, is exactly, exactly like Yaza, which is a temple strike with the staff, you know? So there's no separation between empty hand and weapons work, you know? Mm. Uh, so they see that. And also with the staff, you get an idea of how to swing uh, the hips because you'll say, okay, like a baseball. Now this is like a hip check in hockey. You know, this is a temple strike. Uh, and you know, all these things come together and, uh, you see, uh, the, the, the staff also shows center line. So they have the center line awareness, they have an idea of targets, and then they learn to, to start to use the hips and they appreciate heavy hands. And then also like a loose arm posture. I always say, okay, day one, your arms are no longer arms. They're ropes. Okay, you want to think mm -hmm. more like a rope dart paradigm with a really, really heavy rock at the end. Okay, those are your hands. And the source, the origin of your arms uh, is not from the shoulders, which is which is really a fallacy. The, 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 the it should start in the back, you know, like like. Um, uh, like the middle of your back so that you're, you're, you're thinking, you know, much more, uh, like, like an ape, like monkey style swinging, you know, mm -hmm. and it really is a game changer for them. Like I have one student now, he used to be a professional baseball player, which, oh my God, that's like a perfect, perfect, you know, uh, mapping of a sport that's complementary to martial arts because they understand what they're, in great physical condition, and they can sh they can throw at anything, and they can strike targets, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yet, his stance after you know a lifetime of playing baseball or whatever is really different than martial arts stance, you know, um, because in martial arts you're thinking about protecting your internal organs. So a lot of things when I would say, you know, close your ribs, close your ribs, you know, let your arms hang because he has sort of this, you know, athletic stance where, uh, you have the, 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 the sternum up and, and it's like ting shong, han shong, you know, uh, ting shong is, is more like, um, what you call like a soldier stance, you know, with your, mm -hmm. with your chest up, uh, shoulders back, you know? Um, and so that's what a lot of athletes will use. Whereas in, in, in Tongbei, we use more of this sort of like hansheng, which is almost like a slumpy posture, but you'll see it in, you'll, you, if you watch like one wall handball players, they do it. They do it in order to, to harness their energy. It's almost like they make their backs concave in order to access their center and also to close the ribs, which protects the internal organ. And this gives mm -hmm. you better access to the Dantian. So even the, 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 the whole thing about changing the posture, changing the way that they 
think about their limbs and how they generate power. Um, that's pretty much my day one. Yeah. Long answer. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. That's. I think that's really interesting. Um, you, you mentioned. I mean, you know, practicing form on uh, forms or just techniques on trees and also showing it on a partner. How do you go about partner work? Um, how do you like? Do you include sparring or wrestling type of practice? Uh, how do you like? Do you have drills yeah. that lead there, or how how do you do this? I I, I, I I show them basically like all the tombe basics uh, have trajectories and usage. Like that's what I loved about the tombe was because okay, in other Chinese styles that I had studied. I mean, if you do judo, you go in and you're grappling with people. Aikido, okay, you throw people. So everything is partnering work. But in the Chinese mm -hmm. styles, there was always, okay, you learn forms, now you do sparring. And then there was no, there's no uh, relation between the sparring and the forms. It's just like, if, in that case, you may as well just do, you, you, you should do Western boxing. Everybody can do, just do MMA. What, what's, the, what's your validation for this training system? Are you just doing forms for aesthetics so you have a better structure? And then when you spar, you just like jab, punch, jab, punch, hook. You know, we're doing Baz Rutan now. So it has nothing to do with your Chinese martial arts training. Well, then what, what are you doing that for? You know, for me, what the game changer was in Tongbei was it was 100% exactly what you learn in the striking and, and all the basics, which, you know, um, have the arm swings, the pizang, the axing fist, um, the forward, backward movements, uh, you know, when you when you would have like um uh Meizang or Li Mao Pushu, which is like the links springs uh springs on Spring, <laughs> springs on the mouse. Yes, this is the translation. The lynx uh, pounces on the mouse. When you have moves like this, they're immediately applicable. It's not mm. an abstract thing, you know? And so it's really interesting because because of the tongbei, I started thinking about function and it's like, okay, I'm rechanging all the partnering because in the mantis, when I did that, mm, there was too much a dichotomy, even, even between that and then when you learn two man sets, you know, like there are 12 mantis basics and then, okay, this is it on a partner. And you would do it with a partner and you'd be like, well, this is odd. This is odd and somewhat illogical. It felt very, very choreographed, you mm. know? And so I would feel like, okay, it's not really real. I mean, I can kind of see this application, but it's not as seamless as say, like when you're doing tueso with someone and you feel like, oh, I'm uprooting them, right? Mm. Uh, uh, tueso meaning push hands, like in Tai Chi, you know, because mm. then you're feeling that. Or like when you're doing Swai Chao, which is Chinese wrestling, and the guys are gripping your jacket and they're throwing each other. You know, you're like, okay, this works, this doesn't work. You know what I mean? Um, and so like with the partnering work with my students, I really try and start that from day one. So if I show a technique like circular hands into, um, twenso, pi twenso, which is like circular hands into palm strike, you better know what you're doing. You know, how are you applying it? And it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to, 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 to teach at the beginning, um, say if they don't have any fighting experience, um, but it's really, really important because without that, they, they can't even gauge distance, you know, learning forms mm -hmm. 
just empty forms without actually striking a target. It's why I do almost all my uh, training. I, I remap everything for my students onto a tree because we're always training in nature. Like all our trainings are outside in the forest or in a park. So we're always hitting trees. You have to understand the distance to target. And are you hitting high, middle, low? Is, is this movement, uh, say in a weapon, is this an attack or is it a parry or is it both? You know what I mean? Um, without this understanding, uh, you're, you, you don't become a well-functioning, thinking, strategic martial artist. You know, I feel mm. like it's, it's, it's gaping. And for people who say, oh, yeah, you should do martial arts, and then 10 years later, you can learn fajing. Fajing is how you cultivate internal power and how, mm. you know, how you're actually going to show your immense martial power. And I teach that from day one. It's part of the Heng Ha Jing training in the Tongbei. Mm. It's like, there's no secrets, you know? Um, for me, there should not be separation between empty hand and, and weapons work. Um, people should learn on targets. They should practice on targets. They should be able to map their forms onto a target first, and then the students should show the empty hand forms. This is, if that's what I leave behind in martial arts, I, I consider that a huge success. Like. Everybody, go show me your form on a tree for teach your forms, every form that you have, tai chi, whatever, on a tree, and then have your student show the form. Because at first, when I started experimenting with this technique, I would teach the form like a miao dao form, which is uh, it's like a leaf saber sword. Uh, it looks kind of like a katana. And I teach that form to one of my students, and you know he was supremely gifted. He he was a he's a circus a acrobat and does like one arm handstands. He was amazing, um, and so he was really great at learning stuff. And and then I'd say, okay, so I teach it to him on a, on a tree, and he could strike all the targets. He was really good at using like momentum in his hips. And I was like, okay, so this is what it looks like without the tree. And then I'd say, follow along. And then it got really weird. And then I'd be like, oh, you know what? Don't follow along. I'm not going to show you what it's supposed to look like. You show me what it's supposed to look like without ever seeing the form without hitting a target. And he hmm. did it. This was what happened years ago. And that was a huge light bulb moment. I was like, yes, this, this is it. This is it because, okay. Yeah. Maybe if you compared it to that particular form because he was doing Erlu Miao Dao, which is really, you know, a seminal Miao Dao form and people do it in China and people do it in competitions, et cetera, et cetera. People might not even recognize it as that form, but what he had learned in one day of training was more valid than these people who had been doing it like 10 years and then in competition because they couldn't do one technique. He was ready to go slice hedges and everything. You know, he knew if he was knocking off someone's head, if he was aiming for the knee, he knew how to strike with his hips. And I was like, that is awesome. I don't, I'm not going to show you the form or how it should look. Cause this is how it should look. Hmm. You know what I mean? And, 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 and he did it. And that, that was a, it was a really big uh, light bulb moment for me, you know, as a martial artist and as a teacher and practitioner, you know, that, that, you know, people can learn this way. It doesn't need to be corrected. It doesn't yeah. need to be corrected. If anything, let's correct the forms. Let's take out all the superfluous ornamental parts and remap it this way. And then yeah. what's left behind is something that we can use. 
Now that, uh, you mentioned a lot of tree hitting. That really reminds me of a video I, I saw of, of like old school Tongbei practitioners. I think also in Beijing, where they were very creative in terms of like how to practice hitting against actual stuff. Like they had a lot of like different different bags and different uh, you know oh, like I using that video too. <laughs> <laughs> and, I know you know this was and, and I thought hey this is actually cool because you know I mean why not use modern equipment or improvised equipment you know to achieve what you want to achieve. But I would assume that then there is a lot of conditioning in Tongbei. Is there like also you know like toughening up the hands or the arms or is that uh, like is it just happening on as a side product when you use trees a lot or is it something that you specifically um, do like you know there's a lot of fallacy in terms of like what i call conditioning because it used to be that like my training brothers back in the 90s when we were at lama kung fu there were a lot of guys that would train for sanda uh and or or you know like the the ring sparring And they would condition themselves by, you know, drinking protein shakes, doing lots of weights, and then they would keep on banging their thighs with bricks and cinder blocks, <laughs> you know, mm. to toughen it up and get calluses. Mm. And um, our training is a little bit different in that way, in that when you're striking, okay, the paradigm in Tongbei is not necessarily that you need like these these these, these bricks, because you're not. The, the idea is that you're not really training your body to be like, um, how do you say, like a Megatron. You're not training yourself to be a transformer or a robot, mm. right? Mm. So you're not training yourself to have iron palms. You're training yourself, if you were to think like a rope dart that uh, that has a really heavy weight at the end. So it's sort of irrelevant what you're doing because it's almost like, okay, you're going to fight the Tasmanian devil. What are you going to do? You know, you go in and you're going to go fight a chimpanzee. Who's going to win that chimpanzee's going to win. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a certain different kind of thing where it's not like, oh, you have to have iron palm and resist or whatever, uh, because you're really, really learning. What we say is, uh, is you use the power of your whole body. And that's, that was like, you know, the backhanded compliment that Sang Lao Si said when he first saw me training, um, my other forms, before I was really committed to the Tongbei Han Jing, which is like, wow, you got a lot of power, you know? And he was insulting me because <laughs> I had all the intent in the world could do all these stances mm -hmm. and you know, but um, he saw it as useless because when they actually build the power in the Tongbei, they do it through release. Um, the paradigm is really shifted. And so a lot of times what uh, I tell my students is that your arms are not arms. These are not muscles. You don't need to use your bicep or your tricep. Um, it's almost like, uh, you know, if, when you think about released arms, you might think, oh, release is noodly and weak or whatever, as opposed to a strong, structured, muscular uh, brace in your arms. But um, what you're really thinking about training is that if you had like kettlebells attached to the end of ropes and you're swinging those, I mean, you're, you know, uh, a reasonably <laughs> weighted kettlebell yeah. and uh, how much power that would have you know because you have this heavy object at the end of a rope and and and, and you can smash i mean imagine taking that and 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 you're gonna go smash a piece of wood or something it's it, it's incredibly heavy but you're using the momentum of the swing and the the hip to generate that power and and the heaviness that is the heaviness in your hands um and and the use of torque and momentum that you're getting from the hips and uh trans uh transmitting through the 
it back uh, becomes the power of your swing, and that's that's incredibly incredibly heavy um, and 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 powerful. When um, Tsang Lao Tzu was demonstrating on uh, me and my students, it's amazing because over the years when he's been doing uh, more and more of the wuxing training that has a lot of the sort of um, internal uh, mechanism built into it, his arms is like it's it's like a, a cannon landing on you. It's heavier mm. and heavier. It's it completely throws you off because it's so relaxed. You train not to become uh you know more muscular. In fact he 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 considers lifting weights counterproductive to your martial arts training. You must learn to use your center because the muscles only hinder you because if you're thinking about this rope with a kettlebell at the end paradigm uh, if you have extra weighted muscles on your arms, it's actually going to, uh, it, it's actually going to block the trajectory of the swing, you know? Mm. Um, and so, uh, he, he, he really, uh, believes in that training principle and I see it applied, you know, how, how powerful it can be, you know, and I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a particularly, uh, large or, uh, you know, bulky person, uh, but I can generate a lot of power and I can move big people, uh, mm. because I use, uh, these principles, you know? Um, and what, what is interesting to me too, is like, you don't have to have perfect tombe uh, or, or use of these concepts in order to make it work. Mm. You know, mm. like if you use your Tai Chi, uh, and I'm not saying everybody needs to practice tombe, but you use a couple of these principles and you start applying it. Whether the principle comes from, uh, you know, learning, uh, teaching forms, learning forms on a target or on a tree, and then applying it to your martial arts, showing it in your partnering work, or you use the sort of release of the heavy hands, using the arms uh, like like a rope instead of instead of blocking with the arms, you know, using it more like a like a rope dart swing or or or, or um, a whip chain, you know. Um, these are principles that can be applied universally and, and, and can improve like any martial artist, you know, um, concepts such as target training, which I think on the whole, like Filipino systems do better than Chinese martial arts systems. Sorry. It's just, I, I do believe that, yeah. you know, um, they, they, they are better at understand. They have even like the 12 strike system, 10 strike systems. You can develop your own charts. You can, uh, do your own, uh, different kinds of, of, of mapping of strikes, you know, uh, this is all fair game. You know, I think that the, the, the future of martial arts has to be evolution, hmm. you know, rather than saying, Oh, this is not correct. Or this is the wrong stance. We need to be like intensively researching, you know, hmm. my whole mantra now is proprioceptive feedback loop. What is your proprioceptive feedback loop? Like, how do you know if it's right? How do you know if you're doing, you know, if you're building internal energy correctly by doing sang zhuang one hour or stance training, you know, one hour every day? Do you just feel it, you know, hmm. uh, or are you doing neuro-linguistic programming and telling people to fall when you aim your hand at them? You know, I mean, to me, this is like, they're, they're, this is, I really want people to do, you know, the sort of no-nonsense approach to martial arts where it doesn't have to be about, oh, acknowledging the power of this person or this master or whatever, but let's become good researchers, mm. you know? Let's stay curious. Let's support each other, you know? All this shit talking can just stop immediately, 
You know, people who are bad-mouthing each other or the keyboard warriors, you know, can all go home and go train, you know? Uh, Let's support each other. We we, we don't need to say this style is better than that style. You know, I, I, yes, I focus on the tombay and the weapons and, uh, you know, functional training, but I I don't, you know, I I consider myself a, a student for life. And that's uh, that's actually a, a really nice thought for 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 uh, I think I'm actually it's a great finish because I I was thinking I mean we, we could probably talk about this for three more hours I have the feeling but uh, we are, we all have busy lives and we have other stuff to do and also you know in in, in entertainment it's always about uh, leaving people wanting more so maybe we keep some of the stuff for for <laughs> season two or three um, well, but usually for the, the second slice of pie or yeah cake. exactly but want. also cake from rosa may <laughs> <laughs> but at, at the end of an episode i usually ask like okay what are you hoping for you know like a, 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 um, a direction of development for the community but i think you already answered that uh, by yourself with this idea of yeah what's the feedback loop let's let's do a bit more experimenting and researching and, and trying out stuff and i think that's i mean if, if you ask me that's actually a great uh, a, a great hope or vision for the future I don't know if you want to add anything to this, but I, I think it's great. It's I think you put it. I, I think you put it pretty well. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, uh, people who are uh, forms trainers, if they can start remapping it onto targets, and this is not just for like traditionalists, but also for mar- modern uh, modern um, martial artists, sports karate people, modern wushu people. You know, start practicing on a target. And also the other thing. I must emphasize because a lot of people also in the martial arts community, um, you know, are doing uh, training for competition and because in competition, um, you know, people get really fixated on the difficulty of a move. And so like, for example, in modern Wushu, all our, our, all our jump kicks are on one side, uh, you know, and, uh, the, the aerials are on one side. You, you always do your spinning jump kicks to one side, right-legged landing. And, um, you know, you, you accumulate over a decade, two decades of that and it's recipe for disaster. You know, I mean, I have, uh, two fake hips now. I'm double bionic, you know, Mm. I had double hip replacement surgery because all the really flexible people who trained in modern wushu, two of my wushu training brothers also double hip replacements, and they got it in their 30s. You know what I mean? It's just like, um, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, I think we have to have balanced training, we have to have functional training, and support each other as a community. Yeah, I think that's that's a beautiful thought. So thank you for part one of uh, of the carrot cake le- lectures. And uh, now, I'm, now I'm hungry <laughs> for some like, reason. I completely invalidated myself. <laughs> okay. No, I think it was great. Um, and yeah, let, let's uh, uh, so let's definitely talk about you know maybe in in second in the second season to you know dive deeper into some of these really interesting aspects. And uh, yeah, until then, you know, I, uh, I hope you'll be well. Maybe I'll see you in, in Prague at some point. Yes, it's, it's come not visit that far in Prague. From... Everybody come train with us in the forest in Prague. Yeah. We call it terracotta training because in, in the forest, you have multiple target training. So every tree is, is like a, a soldier that you're fighting against. <laughs> so it's, it's super cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, maybe some, some listeners from the podcast will also show up. Yes. We'll see. Okay. All right. Thank Stay you very in. much. And uh, uh I'll see you, uh, talk to you in the second season. Yes, and happy holidays. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you had a great time. The next episode will air next month. And until then, feel free to check out our Instagram account 
where we also feature some of the people we talk to, other practitioners and teachers of Chinese martial arts, and anything else that might be interesting in the world of Kung Fu. Thanks, take care, and hope to meet again.